Hi guys, welcome back to Practical Non-Toxic Living by Ruan Living. This week's podcast is recording from a live powwow conducted by Sophia Ruan Goucher this past fall about asbestos found in talcum powder in baby powder and the over 40,000 lawsuits that were filed because of health problems caused by it. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at hello at ruanliving.com. That's R-U-A-N as in non-toxic living.com. Um, or feel free to DM our podcast Instagram. It's at Practical Non-Toxic Living. If you aren't already, subscribe to our newsletter. It's a weekly newsletter. comes out every Tuesday morning. It's just a little bit of like positivity and light in your inbox with a couple of practical and non-toxic tips sprinkled in there too. So all you got to do is text DETOX to 66866. So just D-E-T-O-X to 66866 and it'll get you all signed up. So we are looking forward to connecting with you. Can't wait to see you guys on the newsletter and hear from you in our DMs and on our inbox. Um, Okay, I'm going to stop talking now and enjoy Sophia. Hi, I'm Sophia Ruan Goucher, author of the critically acclaimed best-selling book, A to Z of Detoxing, The Ultimate Guide to Reducing Our Toxic Exposures, and founder of Ruan Living, the only wellness lifestyle brand that simplifies practical, non-toxic living. Welcome to my podcast. Welcome to today's Ruan Powwow. Today I'm talking about the 40,000 lawsuits over baby powder and cancer as a case study. My intention is to empower you to become a savvier consumer for the optimization of your health. In addition to our case study, some questions that I will address are, can talcum powder cause cancer? What should you know about the 40,000 lawsuits over talcum-based products in cancer? Is there safe talcum powder? And what are the pearls of wisdom from this case study? I prepared a presentation, which I will share with you. There are many articles I looked at in preparing for today's talk, but I'm going to highlight two news articles that I relied on more heavily and that are really great resources if you want to dive deeper. The first that I will highlight is in the New Yorker, the article titled Johnson and Johnson and a new war on consumer protection was published in September 2022. It's a great resource, a long article that you can also listen to. I'll also just read the subtitle for those who are just listening to this. It says the company has spent billions on cases about one of its most popular products as its executives try a brazen new legal strategy to stop the litigation. Corporate America takes note. The second article, which is a great resource for you, is older. It was published in 2018, and it's by Reuters. Reuters investigated a lot of the documents that were released in the discovery process related to Johnson & Johnson lawsuits. The title of this article, for those who are just listening, it reads, Johnson & Johnson knew for decades that asbestos lurked in its baby powder. What are some key things you should know about the baby powder litigation? First, there are 40,000 lawsuits. 
the plaintiffs claim that regular use of baby powder or other talc-based products contributed to plaintiffs' ovarian cancer, mesothelioma, which is a fatal, rare lung cancer that is associated with exposure to asbestos or other injuries, but mainly it's ovarian cancer and mesothelioma. In 2020, juries awarded some plaintiffs damages that exceed billions of dollars. Many times Johnson & Johnson won the cases, but the few times that it lost, the damages were large. So what should you know about baby powder? Talc is the concern because asbestos is naturally occurring in some talc. Asbestos is also very hard to remove fully from talc. Johnson & Johnson has been trying for many decades. You should know that not all baby powder has talc. Not all talc samples have tested positive for asbestos, but it's hard to know which talc-based products are asbestos-free. A little bit about asbestos, the one thing I want to point out is that it is classified as carcinogenic to humans by the World Health Organization's International Agency for Research on Cancer. So what has been known? What are objective facts related to this case? I thought it was really interesting, and this is a pattern in our history, that knowledge of contamination has existed for a long time. The New Yorker article, which was published in 2022, found that as early as 1971, Johnson & Johnson scientists had become aware of reports about asbestos and talc. They and others also worried about a connection between cancer and talc itself, whether or not it contained asbestos. And I read that as a direct quote from the article. Reuters, which again, they published the results of their investigation in 2018, Reuters found that the earliest mentions of tainted Johnson & Johnson talc came from as early as 1957. Reuters also determined that from at least 1971 to the early 2000s, the company's raw talc and finished powders sometimes tested positive for small amounts of asbestos and that company executives, mine managers, scientists, doctors, and lawyers fretted over the problem and how to address it while failing to disclose it to regulators or the public. And that's also a direct quote from the Reuters article. In this screenshot from the Reuters investigation from its article online, it reads, Johnson & Johnson didn't tell the FDA that at least three tests by three different labs from 1972 to 1975 had found asbestos in its talc. And one case at levels reported as, quote, rather high, unquote. So some highlights of the Johnson & Johnson experience. First, Johnson & Johnson launched its baby powder product in 1894. Between 1930 and 1990, it's estimated that baby powder was used on about half the children born in the U.S. 
Johnson & Johnson has always insisted and still insists that its baby powder is, quote, safe, asbestos-free, and does not cause cancer, end quote. However, in 2020, after juries awarded plaintiffs billions of dollars in damages, Johnson & Johnson announced that it would no longer supply the talc-based version of its product to American stores. So just to recap, the baby powder product was launched in 1894. Over a century later, Johnson & Johnson decides to no longer supply baby powder which includes talc. But in the meantime, internal reports show that Johnson & Johnson knew that some of the talc was contaminated with asbestos from as early as the late 1950s or early 1970s, depending on the report. Today, Johnson & Johnson is valued at nearly half a trillion dollars and has a credit rating that is higher than that of the U.S. government. However, in connection to all these lawsuits, it created a new legal entity to siphon off liabilities related to these talc-based lawsuits. And in a separate entity, they put a lot of the company's assets. So in effect, the potential claims or potential liabilities in relation to these lawsuits would be limited to what was allocated to one of these new entities. Then soon after these entities were created, the one related to potential liabilities from these lawsuits declared bankruptcy, which freezes and limits what the plaintiffs can be awarded in damages. This case has many complexities that parallel what I call manipulative business strategies in a chapter in my book, A to Z of Detoxing. It's really worthwhile to get to know these manipulative business strategies because you will then start noticing it today implemented by a number of companies and a number of industries. And it really is very clarifying because these strategies are sometimes used to intentionally create conflicting information to confuse the public, authorities, doctors, scientists, and delay regulation. In this screenshot of a memo that the Reuters article shares, you can see that in this 1972 memo, Johnson & Johnson did not submit to the FDA this note from a University of Minnesota professor named Thomas E. Hutchinson. He writes in a lab note in 1972 that asbestos was found in a sample of Johnson & Johnson's shower-to-shower -shower talc. So is there a safe talcum powder? In this screenshot of the Reuters article, you see a memo published in 1973 where a Johnson & Johnson research director, DeWitt Peterson, warned the company that producing pure talc was impossible. So what are the lessons to learn and the pearls of wisdom from this very long, complex story that has harmed too many people. As I dived into the details, and I'm not sharing a lot of them now, there are some things that I want to point out to you that will help you 
be healthier. The first is that some compounds in your products enter your body through skin absorption and or inhalation. If you've joined other Ruan powwows, I've already talked about this in other examples. One that stands out is when we had a Ruan powwow about dry shampoo and the recalls of dry shampoo. This baby powder case study provides another example of scientists finding that compounds in baby powder can end up in our body. Scientists found talc in tumors in the ovaries. So one thing I want you to walk away with as a lesson learned from this baby powder case study is that compounds in your products can enter your body through your skin and through inhalation. And remember that some tumors in the ovaries that were tested by scientists were found to have baby powder to have talc. So be really mindful of the products you use, especially the ones you use often. A second lesson to learn from this case study is that our reproductive areas can be more vulnerable. So there are some scientists who are finding that the skin and membranes in our genitalia can maybe be more absorbent. So just be aware that the skin throughout your body can absorb in different ways and different rates and therefore provide different health risks. I also want to point out that disease like cancer is multifactorial. There are many factors that go into whether one will develop cancer, but the positive way to look at this is that you have many levers to use to optimize your health. And one overlooked lever is the toxic exposures from what we buy, own, and do. So from today's case study, one thing you can do is think about the powdered products or spray products you have, and especially the ones you use often. Prioritize those products to get to know you want to make sure that those do not have known harmful compounds, whether they're carcinogens or endocrine disrupting chemicals or something else. Another lesson to learn from these class action lawsuits over baby powder is that we learn from litigation that confusion among scientists, doctors, regulatory authorities, and the public is sometimes a result of an intentional effort. So internal documents that were released or disclosed from the discovery process in these lawsuits prove that, that confusion was a strategy. And this strategy was first invented or used by the tobacco industry as evidence of harm from smoking cigarettes or inhaling second smoke became stronger. So just be aware when there's conflicting information out there about the health risks of something, sometimes that's a result of an intentional strategy. 
Another thing to learn from this case study is that what I identify as manipulative business strategies in my book, A to Z of Detoxing, they are easy to recognize in the world. So when you get the chance, get to know them. And I just mentioned one of them, which is to intentionally confuse the public. Another thing from this case study that we learn as you dive into the details is how regulation is imperfect. You'll learn how the FDA is imperfect. They are understaffed, do not have enough of a budget that can compete with a trillion dollar company and a huge marketing budget. Those are just some examples of how regulation is imperfect. The baby powder litigation also represents one example of many others of how long it can take for the truth to emerge to the public. This is another example where it took over a century of popular use of a product for the public to realize that this product poses health risks. Another lesson to learn from this baby powder class action case study is that if you care about your health, you need to learn how to be a conscious consumer. So last, is there safe baby powder? Earlier, we talked about how even a Johnson & Johnson employee reported that it's almost impossible to make sure that talc is 100% pure of asbestos. So can you have baby powder that doesn't have talc, so therefore should not have asbestos, and have that be safe? Is there safe baby powder? In my opinion, there there might be safer options. For example, baby powder that use cornstarch rather than talc might be safer. But I think simply that baby powder is tiny particles that can be inhaled and absorbed And most of the compounds in baby powder have not been sufficiently studied, and it can take decades, over a century to really know if something is harmful. For my family, I would avoid baby powder as much as I can. So unless you have a really good reason and you're making an informed choice, then talk to your doctor about it. But in my opinion, what I would choose for my family is to avoid baby powder altogether, but I have not found a need to use baby powder at all. In this screenshot of the Reuters article, you see some samples of ads used for Johnson & Johnson's baby powder, and you can see how it influences a consumer's feeling towards baby powder as being something a good loving mother would do or a good loving parent would use on their child. And it seems so innocent and safe and gentle. But in reality, we humans have known for decades that baby powder can have asbestos and does pose health risks. I want to leave you wondering what other incredible stories exist that affect your health. I very quickly zipped over a very complex story of Johnson & Johnson's experience with baby powder and its knowledge and testing of asbestos and its products and how it reacted as it knew this information. Again, if you want to learn more details, the two articles that I mentioned are really very enlightening. 
if this is enough information for you, just be humbled to know that there are other incredible stories that are versions of this Johnson and Johnson baby powder class action case study. And so this is why it's worth getting to know the products that you use, especially those that you use regularly. If you would like support on detoxing the products that you use, you can get supported at Ruan Living. There is a gradual detox with the Detox Academy where once a month I'll share a product that I've chosen for my family and I'll explain why so that you can look at that same product in your home with an informed framework. And if you want a deeper detox dive, then check out my 40-day home detox. If you're not already an email newsletter subscriber, then you can quickly register by texting the word detox, D-E-T-O-X, to the number 66866. Thanks for tuning in to today's Ruan Powwow. I hope you found it helpful. Thanks for listening. For podcast show notes, visit www.ruanliving.com, spelled www.ruan is a non-toxic living.com. To more easily listen to other episodes, please subscribe to the Practical Non-Toxic Living Podcast. And if you'd like to support it, please like it and share it. Until next time.